welcome to yet another episode of the Swiss Ballers Pod. I'm Fabo, and for once, I'm only joined by one absolute baller, my good friend Armin, back home in Zurich. Your team's had a pretty good weekend, I hear. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, good, good results, apart from my personal team we lost, but um, yeah, other than that, it was all right. We'll take that. We'll, we'll... How was your uh, how was your FPL week? A lot of red cards, a lot of own goals. Did you suffer? Um, yes, I suffered from Ruben Diaz a bit. Um, yeah, it was was not the perfect game week, and Buemo really disappointing me again. Um, yeah, Rashford, Fernandez as well, like really really poor, and I think it's night now time maybe they have what's the next fixture is uh, Brentford at home oh, is that it's a fixture again which I yeah you're gonna think gotta maybe another week. maybe they can you know I uh. always think is this the fixture where they turn it around and then when you then you miss it you want to top yourself yeah but yeah anyway let's get into some more serious stuff yeah I mean let's start <laughs> with the serious stuff because there was a lot of red cards and other issues so do you, do you know who the player is with the most Premier League red cards ever yeah uh, I don't know it Roy Keane it's not actually Roy Keane. I was surprised as well it's actually Patrick Vieira it's Vieira it was yeah. my second guess yeah yeah it's Vieira it and guess. Duncan Ferguson and also Richard Dunn they all had eight each Big- Big Duncan Ferguson. Big Duncan, yeah. Eight <laughs> red cards in, in their careers. Um, We have a lot to talk about. A lot of incidents and dodgy calls and some, <laughs> some goals as well. Some positive stuff we want to talk about. But I'll just do the 90 second uh, update and then we're good to go. Premier League game week seven. The early game between balling sides Villa and Brighton. Villa won 6-1. Watkins hat-trick, and it's just a question of time until the England call-up comes after more than a year without a game for the Three Lions. All European League's playing clubs were in action on Sunday. Man City lost their first game this year by 2-1 against Wolves. Pedro Neto looks like he might be a real problem. The other Manchester club also lost, while Arsenal cruised to a 4-0 away win to Bournemouth. 2-0 was the result when Newcastle beat Burnley and also when West Ham beat Sheffield. Sheffield's goal difference over the last two games now reads 0-10. Luton Town won their first ever Premier League game at Everton. This leaves one more Saturday game, which was Spurs' 2-1 win over Liverpool in the evening. This match was overshadowed by a horrendous refereeing decision, which resulted in the PGMOL apologising to Liverpool Football Club for a human error we'll get into that sunday's only game which was played between brentford and forest ended 1-1 despite forest finishing the game with a man down tonight chelsea finally got a win their second of the season after beating fulham at craven cottage by two goals to nil michaela mudrick finally scoring in other news manchester united's women's team actually got three points hallelujah and psg bit random but they continue to struggle with monaco now two points ahead of them in a very tight league uh, table that's pretty much all i have for this weekend um but we i mean there's a couple of general things i want to talk to you about let's maybe start abroad the bundesliga man it's so exciting it's so interesting how three teams now four even actually are, are all gunning for 
at well at the moment looks like the title and there was the the Bayern v Leipzig game great advertisement for German football end to end both teams going for it we've spoken about Leverkusen a lot we haven't really spoken about Dortmund so much because Toto has not really been around but talk to me about Bayern v Leipzig that 2-2 game I I know you really enjoyed it yeah it was really good it was really end to end like I don't know for probably lots of viewers don't really watch the Bundesliga that often I would say if you don't have anything to do, even um, uh, lower lower side from the table, most of the time it's a good watch, and it's like it's not that uh, tactical. They they go for each other. They they have a lot of it's it's very physical. It's very counter attack um, based. So yeah, I always enjoy these top games. That's why I always watch them. And yeah, it was a really really good game. Uh, first half, I thought Leipzig was a bit more a bit more sharp, and they had Bayern. I think the tactical plan was really good. Like they let them play, and Bayern didn't really play that well with the ball. The center backs weren't really comfortable with the ball, and you know, as soon as that pass from center back it goes into the midfield, and it's not one hundred percent perfect to then link up the next play, then they were there and they they. Uh, they get get the ball and they go in the opposition half, which is the perfect setup. I think was really and they are ruthless. I mean, we've yeah. you know Openda up top and Xavi Simons yeah. up top and and whoever yeah. else they have like Luke Bar scored a goal. I mean, yeah. the the amount of players with high quality and it's in- yeah. interesting because they lost Nkunku, they lost Sobersly. Yeah, you know they had lost a, a couple of key players there and and Limer even you know who was kind of that mm. was kind of their spine last season really, and they're yeah. still just. I mean, as much as we hate Red Bull and and what they stand for, the the model, the business model, is really working for them. And year after year, they they're competitive and they find good players and and build new teams. Definitely, and if you see, as you said, the way the way they lost their play their best players, and the way they in- integrated their new players into the team. Openda and um, especially Simmons, it's like you don't even recognize the um, the process. You know, it's like they come in and it works. So yeah, it's it's really well done. And they, I mean, they they sacked their sporting director, Max Eberl, the night before a, the game. Yeah, yeah, it was a really really big surprise to be honest. Yeah, and I, for, again, I don't is... know what's going. I, I rate him really highly. I think he's yeah. probably the best sporting director in Germany. Yeah, this is this is an interesting thing for a lot of our English listeners here because Max Ebel is he used to be sporting director at uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach for a long time, and was then pipped with a move away, even at Gladbach to Bayern because he's he's very well renowned. He's very respected. He's he's a yeah. I mean, he's even now there. He's in talks with Bayern. That might be a reason why he left. And it was a big, a big statement from from Leipzig to sack him or to like let go of him. Just especially so close before the game because he's such a great figure and because he's been building, helping to build these teams over the last few years. So yeah, big, big move there. But as you said, there's no, there's none of that Chelsea. Oh, it just needs to gel together. Lots of new signings. It just they oh. hit the ground running and they look menacing from from day one. Okay, let's. Uh, I I wanted to talk a bit, a little bit about Italy and Spain and how 
there seems to be a title race in those countries. Um, Inter and Milan both on 18 points, top of the table, etc., etc. It, it looks it looks pretty exciting. It looks pretty cool. But maybe we get Hashi on and, and or Joanne even and, and talk to them to them boys about those two countries in some other capacity. Let's talk more. Actually, before we get to the VAR discussion, which I know we will discuss in in more detail, I want to quickly chat about the injury list. We spoke briefly about this while we were uh, discovering the new uh, FIFA, which is now called EAFC, which came out this week. Uh, that Arsenal had a very long fixture uh, injury list before this last fixture against Bournemouth. We didn't quite know if Saka was going to make the starting eleven, if even the squad actually. Saliba had had injury problems. Parties a long-term absentee. Uh, I think Fabio Vieira was out as well. The list at Arsenal is getting longer. Man United is missing a whole squad at the moment. It's been well documented. Newcastle were missing some key players. Botman ruled out a lot. Even Man City have been hit recently with with a couple of, of injuries. Is is this just sort of a freeze frame of random bad luck? Is it a result of too many fixtures, like all the managers keep complaining? What do you put this down to? I honestly haven't got a clue. I don't know. I, w- I really, I don't know because, I mean... Could you imagine it being season, part of the of the fixture list? If it, if it were like in April, I mean, this is like a very unprofessional opinion on, on medical stuff. But if it would be in like in April, May, I maybe would have understood it. But now, I mean, the season just kicked off and they had a break. So I don't know. I'm not really sure. Maybe it's just random, but to be honest, I, 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 Mikel Arteta said that the international breaks are always a big disruption in the fitness because some players have to travel to like South America, and traveling, we all know, is really tiring, and you sh- in the muscles, you can clearly see that. But I don't know. Do you, I don't know to be honest. Do you have Do you have a better answer? <laughs> I don't actually know. I, I I we were we were talking about how, you know, back twenty years ago, for instance, the Champions League had two group stages, which means four games more than it has now. The FA Cup was there. The League Cup was there. Yes, the Conference League is new, but you can't play in Conference League and Champions League. The the Premier League actually had more fixtures than it does now. It used to be forty four, and now it's what thirty eight. Yes, the Nations League is new. Yes, you have an extra international break. But realistically, that's two extra games for 23 players. And of course, they do the air miles and it's a bit crazy. You know, Alvarez last um, game week, was he flew to Bolivia to play, I don't know, 60 minutes in a in an Argentina versus Bolivia game and then travel back to Manchester, which is, of course, crazy. But that's not... You know, that's 23 players per country. That's not the whole league. That's not everyone involved. So yeah. I don't know. And and the other thing is also back in the day, before all this, all these managers complaining about the fixture congestions, the squads were much smaller back in the day. You didn't have three, four left backs at each club, you know, to like United do now. You know, you got Luke Shaw injured, you bring on Malassia. You got Malassia injured, you bring in regularly on. You, you, you know, and then, then the fourth option is the academy product. So... I, I don't know. I, I find it very weird. Yes, it's more demanding. Yes, the, the, the tempo of the game is higher. But at, honestly, I, I, I don't know. I, I can't quite put it down to something either. I just, I, 
I think there's more factors. I think it's a bit lazy to for the managers to just kind of throw around the excuse, oh, it's just the fixture list and international breaks. Yeah. 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 You almost have 30 players. You're all meant to be competitive. I, I don't know. I don't know. But it's super frustrating as fans because you've, I mean, at United, you, you know, we're, we've been missing so many key players for, for a long, long time. And now Martinez might be out to Christmas. Luke Shaw's not going to feature for a while. Those are like, stalwarts in yeah. in United's team and they're not really in a place where they can afford to lose more players. Okay. We'll tackle VAR when we get to the to the Liverpool Spurs game. I let's talk about Arsenal for a second now. Um you said there was the first cruising win of the year at Bournemouth away 4-0. I didn't quite expect it to be that clear, did you? No, I didn't. I thought this was going to be like a hard away game, but I think what how Bournemouth play played in our hands because they like to play as well and they like to press as well and they like to be which which I like. But if you want to make life difficult for Arsenal, you have to play like Everton, you know, because I found myself even when it was zero zero, I knew we were going to win that game. Because we could always play out of the back because their press wasn't strong enough. And this is actually exactly what you want. You want them to press and then you can play out and then you have all the space. That's exactly how I want. Not um, stay in the box and just with all your big center backs that Everton has, clear them out and maybe hit hit some um, counterattacks. So it was a perfect game. And I didn't actually think we played that incredible well because we didn't really have to go in the highest gear we just we had the the a few attacks and penalties and the and Ben White scored with a with a corner or free kick I thought so yeah it was just a, a, a good cruising win much needed with Champions League coming up as yeah well, yeah so yeah can... and you could do some early subs as well so yeah it was which is rare for the, for the legs a team who couldn't do early subs was Man City, your next opponent, Arsenal's next opponent in the league, I should say. Yeah. No Rodri, no party. Pedro mm-hmm. Neto looked so good. Oh my God. Couple of How takeaways. Quick? Man, How Pedro quick Neto. Is he? He's one of those players. I just, I love I didn't know he him. was that quick. No, he is rapid. He always used he's to lack rapid. end product, but he is, he's oh. always been fast. But he, I always thought he was a bit, his, his brain was quicker than his, his feet. You know, where he kind of like, he gets to the byline and then the end yeah. product is just not there. And this season now, he's really starting to piece it together and it's so scary to watch. And he's one of those players where if he plays against you, every time he's on the ball, you hold your breath because you know any centre-back, any fullback, sorry, is going to struggle. Any yeah. fullback is going to struggle. He's so exciting to watch. I love yeah, I love watching him. Yeah, I love him as well. And as well, I thought he was like, I don't know, like he was quick, but I didn't know he was... That I mean, did you saw the one where he overtook Ake? I mean, Man. oh my god! Took like his a soul. machine. Took his soul. It it's, it's ridiculous. No, and he has a great left foot as well. Yes, yeah. everything you need. Yeah. So I hope. Yeah, I hope he, he can, can really, he can, he could really make the step up maybe next season if he continues yeah. this consistently. And then what the Wolves need that a bit, a player with a bit of excitement. For sure, for sure, absolutely. Some of their grey days. City have lost two games in a row now. I don't really want to interpret too much into this. I don't think that means anything mm. at all. No, there was 
there's always that day it's going to come where you're just going to lose and you're going to say the luck is not going to be on your side. And um, yeah, what, what a bit of a, a bit of a, how you say it? Now that the English is not coming again. A pattern. Yeah. A bit of a pattern is they, they, they go behind. So maybe this is something they want to, yeah, worry about maybe a little bit. But other than that, I don't see really any worry, any other worries. No, not at all. They uh, they will be back very, very shortly. I am very sure of that. Speaking of teams who have... Except at the Emirates. Well, I'm actually really looking forward to that game because I think... Emirates is going to be pumping. Yeah, we, we had this discussion as well and Match of the Day covered it too about being a bit emotional in there and yeah. they'll really want to beat them. But I'm to be honest, sure. against Man United and Tottenham, I agree, but against City, you need a bit of chaos. You need a bit of... Because if, if it's going to be 11 against 11, very neutral, then they're going to beat us. So we yeah. need a bit of extra and we need a bit of... You need the crowd to be on your side and, and help yes, lift definitely. the players. Yeah, they definitely will. Interesting game. We will, of course, cover it because it's on the weekend. Is it's, it Saturday or Sunday? I don't know off by heart. It's Sunday. It's Sunday. Sunday. You love a Sunday kickoff. I might be in Zurich. We might be able to watch it together, actually. Although I don't know if, oh, really? if I can handle that. Yeah, I'm coming to watch your game. Yeah. Anyway, this is chit-chat oh, for afterwards. Oh, yeah, true, true. This is chit-chat for afterwards. Let's chat Aston Villa v Brighton because this is one of the... This is probably the game I, I was looking forward to more than even Spurs v Liverpool in many ways because but I mean both are kind of the sort of the the hipster teams the teams that everyone is like oh they, yeah they're cool they're it's cool yeah, to support yeah, yeah. Them. it's cool I mean I, you know yeah. five minutes into the game I texted the group chat of the the Swiss ballers group chat I was like Brighton plays so well it's so cool to watch them and everyone's like yeah Aston Villa is so great to watch as well like I feel like everyone's just hyping them and yeah, yeah, you saw true. you really saw why everyone's hyping them they Brighton really did start off playing really good football. And the Serbi, I saw a stat somewhere. I think that since he got appointed, they are second in overall percentage of possession just behind Man City, which is a crazy stat. 62% for Brighton, man. I mean, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't yeah. believe it, but that the trust they put in each other just to keep the ball around the back, play out from the back, find solutions, play a calm, the, every single time steal the goalkeeper, whoever the goalkeeper is, um, just kind of takes time on the ball, waits till the press comes and then plays yeah. it out and they play it out calmly. And if it, they don't find a solution, they play it back. It's it's great to watch. It's textbook. It's literally textbook and they do it perfectly. And this is why we discussed this as well. It doesn't really matter who plays for Brighton because the, it's a system-based team. And as long as you have players with good enough quality, it doesn't matter that much. Yeah, you need the individuals, but really it's built on the system more than anything. Yeah. And to yeah. counter that, you have a super high line at Aston Villa who, after they got into the game in like 10 minutes into it, they just annihilated them. And that front four with Saniolo, with Diaby, with Watkins, McGinn in there as well, just playing in front of Kamara and, and Douglas Luiz, they are good, man. And this was the first time I watched Aston Villa, but blimey, they are good. What made them so lethal on the weekend? I thought this was very interesting, to be fair. Like, Brighton, they almost, they, they let, Aston Villa let them have the ball and they didn't press them as much. And I don't know if you could see it, but as soon as they played it into midfield, they didn't give them any breath. 
And that's exactly what Brighton don't want. They want you to press the center back or the keeper. And then they play through the lines to the middle. And then they lay it off to the six or to the center back. And then they play to uh, out wide or through the middle. That's it. That's that exactly how they did against Man United. Because Man United, they like, they semi-press them in a way. And that's exactly what you don't want. You don't want to, either you press fully or you wait for the next line to press in a way. I don't know if it, if this No, it makes sense. I think right. as soon as, as soon as Billy Gilmore gets to turn on the ball, exactly. Yeah. That's when then it's over. Yeah. That's when it's over. And then that's where you, I think saw sometimes Brighton were a bit too overconfident with the ball and then they had it and then they threw it over the top to Watkins or, or uh, Saniolo or Diaby and they just, and they were lethal as well. And as soon as the first goes in, I thought, oof, this is going to be tough for Brighton. And you could hear like the the, the Villa fans hyping every every uh, ball recovery they get. So I thought maybe for maybe another day Brighton, but I think this is Villa's game now. And it was really a joy to watch them. And I uh, and I was uh, I was I, I really um, liked that there was the the twelve thirty kickoff. So yeah, it deserves to, us to be able to it, it watch deserves it to be itself. like a, a bit of a stage, you know. Yeah. So yeah. No cool oh, game. Absolutely great game, and um, I was I was really glad because I somehow feel like I haven't seen Aston Villa at all this season live. You know, I mean, I watched the replays, yeah. but they somehow always been playing when Man United have been playing, so I haven't really gotten time and I watched them in their in all their glory and despite missing their captain despite missing uh Buendia for long-term injury uh, yeah both both long-term injuries the, the quality they have and and it's very similar to Brighton in the sense that they are both they're also a, a system-based side all the players buy into it all the players know what's needed of them they 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 if when the execution is there it usually works by itself because the manager sets them up so well how this is something I was wondering, right? Because I, Ollie Watkins, obviously, like he scored a hat trick, he got an assist. People are talking, you know, as as English press do, they're talking, you know, we're going to win the World Cup now with him. He's definitely England starter now. How high is Ollie Watkins' ceiling? High, high, I think very high. Um, I think we had this discussion before about the England England squad, and you, you I remembered you were almost like a bit favor to Callum Wilson because he offers something different to Harry Kane. And I, my counter argument is in a way, I don't really care about that. I just want the second best striker for England in England's sake. And I think Watkins is, I, I just love his profile. You know, you can, he's good on the ball as well. I think some people underrate that maybe a little bit. You can, you can uh, play, th- um, him deep or like he's super quick he's a, has a very good left foot as well he can take on a player so he's very i think he's he's looking really fit really sharp strong i don't really know what else do you want in a striker but... see this is what i was thinking i, I agree yeah, with everything uh... you said there and and for the england discussion with strikers it is very complicated i believe this discussion we had intensely when the last year's World Cup came around and Tony, should he be in the squad? Should he not be? And I kind of made the mm-hmm. argument, as you mentioned there, that I don't think Tony gives you enough of a plan B compared to Callum Wilson, who's a very different player type to, to Harry Kane. That's not saying Ivan Tony is the same player type as Harry yeah. Kane, but in terms of 
mixing it up, you're going to get more out of Callum Wilson. Anyway, yeah, yeah. With Ollie Watkins, I I think he used to be a he used to be a ten, I believe, back in the day. He he was he was raised as a number ten, and you can see that he he has these playmaking attributes. He's not that selfish of a striker. He likes to bring other people in. He likes to play in Diaby. He likes to play these little one twos get other people into positions as well, which I think shows, which can be a, a, a very powerful weapon. And then I was like, how do you, how high do I think his ceiling is? And then I realized I don't, is it, is he good enough to play at a top six club? Is he good enough to make that extra step? He's 28 now, 29 next year. Mm-hmm. Is Does he have what it takes to be Chelsea's number, maybe bad example, Newcastle's number one striker? Is he, does he have what it takes to be Liverpool's number one striker? I'm not even going to mention Man City. Does he have that extra level in him? Is he really going to be the guy who walks into Spurs' dressing room and takes him to that extra level? Or even Man United, both teams who arguably need a striker. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Which is interesting because I do really like him and I like the fact that he's such a complete player. I just think, give him a chance. You know, I think for a Spurs side, it would be. I think it would be good. But for Arsenal, I don't really see him in that role because I think Gabriel Jesus, most of the time when Gabriel Jesus plays in striker, Saka and Martinelli play better because they link up very well. And Odegaard uh, makes a lot of goals. So we just more, we kind of more split it. So I don't think we are at the moment in this phase. We don't really have that number nine talisman gold scorer but yeah i mean yes it's it's a very good question i thought he was a bit younger to be fair but it's a very good question which i can't really answer but i mean at man united i think you would take him in a heartbeat no i mean we take half the league at this point no but seriously i mean you would i don't know listen i don't know i (laughs) right now in this second of course I would, because we do yeah. need more strike power up top. If I'm looking because he at... could switch with Hoyland, you know, like Isaac and and, and absolutely and Wilson, you know, completely that... completely agree with you. Yeah. If I'm looking at a more than you know, it's this season we have injuries. Hoyland is in his first season. I'd love United to have an extra striker and not have to play Rashford there for sure. If I'm looking beyond this year, if I'm looking two maybe three years into the future, is he the guy I'd like to turn to? I don't think so. He is a very streaky player. He has he goes on these hot streaks where once he's on form, he's he will score you in every game. And then he goes through these phases where whether the team is doing well or not, he sometimes just ghosts for five games straight. Which if you're at a club like Aston Villa or Brentford or whatever, that's completely fine. Do your thing. Have these five games off. Your manager's going to back you. You don't really have that big of a number two striker who's going to come in. You don't really have that attention. At Man United, you don't score for one game, you don't score for two games, your fucking house is on fire. And I, this is again purely speculative, but from the outside, I don't see him as the type of player to respond to that really well. I think he will he will then kind of cave a little bit. I don't see him as a kind of player to then man up and, oh, man up is the, is the wrong word, but to kind of step up and go, I'm the one, I'm going to get myself out of this mess. I see that mentality more in Ivan Tony. Somehow, this is purely speculative, but just somehow I feel like if he's confronted with more pressure, with more adversity, with more scrutiny from media, from whatever else it is, 
I don't see him have that arrogance, that kind of carefreeness, that kind of, you, you fuck yourselves, I'm going to score in the next game then, you know, that you need at a club the size of United, Arsenal, you know, those those big guns. Whereas with Ivan Tony, I'm, I, I kind of rate Ollie Watkins more than Ivan Tony overall, but I just feel like men- mentality-wise, I see a bit more of that in Ivan Tony. Yes, it's a, I never really thought about that. But yeah, it do seems like he, he has these hot streaks and then he goes on a bit of an off period. But if I think if you look at the year, if you look at, or let's say if you look at when Emery came in, I don't know the stats, to be honest. When Emery came in, after that, I think the stats probably are really amazing. Just from a feeling, from what he gets, and from from FPL as well. <laughs> so, yeah, it's hard to say. Because if you look at the fixtures of Villa in the first kind of five games, they were tough fixtures. I mean, Newcastle away, Liverpool away, Um. Uh, Chelsea away it's not that difficult I I guess uh. so <laughs> doesn't yeah. count as difficult anymore no. <laughs> he scored as well so yeah yeah no but I mean the, I think the next months will will give us a bit of a better picture but I, I think he's a top Premier League striker to be honest and I would love to see him in an England shirt just yes, pers- by personal preference I, I think I like these kind of strikers yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm with you, of course. I, this yeah. this little tirade was not against him at all. Yeah, I, yeah, I love no, watching no. him. I just, just on the topic of how high his ceiling sure. is. Okay, my friend, we're going to move on to Liverpool's VAR hassles. We're going to take a quick break beforehand. See you in a sec. To talk a very controversial topic, the Tottenham Liverpool game. Just I'll just recap quickly what happened. It was <sighs> yeah, I know. I'm just I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna reel it off. So basically, the game kicked off. One of the first things that happened was Curtis Jones got sent off for a straight red card challenge on Bisuma. I want to say, I think it was. Uh, yeah, it was Bisuma. Yeah, straight red. Down the tunnel he goes. Liverpool down to 10 men after halfway through the first half. <clears throat> Shortly after that, Salah puts Luis Diaz in on goal. Luis Diaz puts it away. Liverpool take the lead. The assistant raises his flag offside. Then the the you know the ultimate the, 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 the what what happens is kind of what always happens. You get like the the replay, you get Luis Diaz kind of looking at the ref in pain and being like, ah, oh, shit, I could have been offside. Damn it, that was close. Then you see the replay and they freeze the frame on the moment Salah passes the ball and without any lines being drawn... You don't you even can... need a line. <laughs> no, you, without the lines being drawn, you can see he was not offside. He was just on. You can just see it from without zooming in, without any... Just onside. That frame freezes for a few seconds. Then you cut to the ref. Then you see the little thing on top left screen... VAR check over, play continues. And you're like, whoa, 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 what? Play continues. Spurs take the lead. Then Liverpool equalized right before halftime through Cody Gakpo. They play through the second half. Diogo Yota has a, a moment of madness where he sees two yellows within like a minute and um, gets sent off as well. 
very unlucky but two yellows equals red and uh Yogo yota is known as a as a gamer and it's the same week he gets sent off as the week of fifa releases it's a bit sus but anyway he, he gets sent off sent off liverpool continue defending with nine men and in the very last minute they lose the game through a joel matip own goal after pedro poro crosses the ball into the box super unlucky from matip Obviously, after the match, everyone's kind of like, yeah, yeah, but let's talk about the first half when Luis Diaz took the lead and didn't take the lead because they gave it offside. It's, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know where to start. You, If you're, if you've had five pints, you're sat at a pub, you're watching with the screen, I don't know, three meters above your head, five meters away with your mate shouting in your ears, three pints in, you can see that he's onside. Then you don't need lines. You don't need, you, it's just onside. There's no dis- discussion there. And there's an there's a VAR there's an assistant VAR who failed to acknowledge this. As I said before, the the referees association Howard Webb they make a statement after the game to Liverpool apologising for a clear human error that happened and want to launch a, a full investigation into the matter. Bruv, we're this is the biggest football league in the world. The most millions are being played for. The the players are on the highest, well, maybe not the highest salaries, but you know what I mean. It's the, the highest prestige. The big the best players in the world are there. How does this continue to happen? What the fuck is going on? It's crazy. And I I I cannot like normally when there's a, a wrong decision. And maybe a handball was not a handball. Okay, you could say okay, maybe in the VAR it was all like they had a, they didn't have the right angles or I don't know such a stupid excuse or maybe they have they didn't apply the rule perfectly. It's interpretation or how do you say it? I don't know. interpretation. Yeah, it's open for interpretation. And but this, it's clear as day, and. I don't have any explanation. I I cannot tell myself any explanation for these refs. Any, I I can't. Like at the, in Sky at Sky Sports, they wanted to clarify a bit. It was check complete, and they said it wrong. But hold on a minute. There's like a, an assistant bar as well. So you want to tell me two people didn't see it? So and what about the linesman? It was about half half a, a yard. I'm kind of going easy on the linesman, right? Because he does the job right. So he he thinks he's offside. He lets play go. He lets the goal happen. He gives himself... Yeah, but he gives himself the margin of error, right? He raises his flag, thinks he's off. It's a mistake. It's fine. If only we had video assistant referees who could correct these mistakes. Oh, wait, we do. And I'm like... The the VAR, as you said there, there's an assistant in there as well. There's a video playback... Like uh, a video playback operator in there as well. The guy who... Or the person who stops the... The, the the play and replays it and, and shows it to the refs. There's so many, like there has to be like 10 people in that room. Yeah. Not one of them was like, hang on, hang on, hang on. That first frame that we saw, let's just have another. How? I, I don't understand it. And I don't understand how in this league, the FA fails to get it it's right. Crazy. And what I want to say as well, when um, it was last season, it was Brighton against Palace. They drew the offside line from the wrong player. And a week later, Arsenal Brentford, I was at that game, the equalizer for Brent for Brentford, which ultimately cost us two points in the title race, 
they didn't see, they didn't even acknowledge the offside. And I was like chatting to my mates. And after this game, because I went to the stadium, that's why I remember it so well. And they were like screaming at the TV. This is offside. How can you not see? And it's not like, oh, we see this in the German league. Oh, we see this in the Spanish league. We see this in the Champions League. No, we don't see it there. I just, I can't get my head around it. Why, why in the Prem? What, what is the problems? Do we need, maybe they go, need to go to Germany because there, I can tell you that it works perfectly at the moment. And nobody speaks about it because when it works, nobody speaks about it. But if you look at it, in Germany, it works perfectly. So I have no clue what's going on there. And Howard Webb, he's always like so transparative and does his like 30 minute interviews. Yeah, I want to do this. Well, stop doing the interviews. Just do your job. I mean, what is going on? I honestly, I had enough. I, I had enough of this fucking VAR. It's not VAR, to be honest. It's the people running it. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. as, as you just mentioned, a lot of other leagues have VAR and it doesn't seem to be a weekly issue. No. There's a couple of things. We've discussed this off the pod as well. There's a couple of things I want to bring up again. One is this idea of, you know, over the course of the season, you'll get some good ones, you'll get some bad ones, it evens out. That might be true, but that's not the point. Like, if you have if you have like 60 calls that go drastically wrong over the season, that's not how it's supposed to go. That's not a fair game. That's like hope football where you hope that it will eventually even out. And then, oh, yeah, maybe, but in three years, you'll get that. Like, no, that's not how it works. I remember when England scored the World Cup, the, the Frank Lampard goal at the World Cup, which wasn't given. And then Müller after the game says, well, it's kind of evens out after the Wembley goal, which, you know, wasn't was given and this one wasn't and it can't that's not how it works bruv it's two wrong decisions like it's two wrongs don't make a right in this it's just it's two drastically wrong decisions that need to stop happening and there's so many of these you know and it's not just one fan base or two this is this is gary neville this is me a united fan you an arsenal fan we're all talking we're not even talking about liverpool being you know like i don't know feeling feeling bereaved or everything this is a league-wide issue where all the fans, all the supporters of various teams find this, that like you just find yourself watching the games and you go like, I would be doing a better job if I was in there because it can't be that hard because I'm sat here again with all the distractions in my house. It takes me two seconds to look at that frame and be like, that's on. It's crazy. I, as I said, I, I cannot give me, you cannot give me one explanation why this error happened. I, I, I cannot. And even as you said, I mean, Liverpool, I felt so sorry for them that they got that. Not even because I hate Tottenham or none of this, just because it was all that effort and it was all that unfairness. I mean, it was scandalous. And then they conceded a goal. It was like, it was all kinds of wrong. Yeah, you really felt and for Joel Matip. As yeah, well. he yeah, yeah, really, yeah. He was, he was yeah, having he a really was good the, game. All, all the, I think even, even the... Even like Endo coming on and so yeah. was like they all defended like crazy. It was yeah. real. It was a really class act from all the Liverpool players. Yeah, I agree with you. Klopp said it really nicely. Like that, the result yeah. will kind of forget about that, but the yeah. performance was what really like that team yeah. is together. You know, there's yeah, no. Yeah. There will be. Of, yeah, speaking will be of fine. new signings gelling in and and hitting the ground running, that team has had no issues playing together. They are just. No. 
they work for each other and they work hard. So that's really scary as a United fan. Uh, I'm finding myself supporting the United women's team more this season and just continuing to support City like I have done for five years. Um, no, but in all seriousness, let's maybe bring it back to, because everyone's now you know on the warpath, trying to slate VAR, trying to slate, mention whatever what's gone wrong. Constructively speaking, what needs to change? One of the most common things here, and I completely agree with this, and I'm going to ask you in a sec, is have referees explain what went on. This is, again, something that they do in Germany. In Germany, if there was a controversial decision, the ref goes up to the interview. There's no need to, there's no witch hunts. There's no, you're not trying to attack him. You're just giving the ref an opportunity to, to explain what the thought process was at a time. And while that might not make a bad decision better, so many times have I found myself listening to refs in Germany and where I know where I watch most football and they go, this is what I saw. This is what happened. The player then touched him and I saw him go over and that's why I decided to give a pen or not to give a pen. And you're like, Do you know what? From that point of view, I suppose, yeah. I mean, you've seen now the, the image and refs have also admitted mistakes, which makes a huge difference. If you have the guy on the pitch just owning up, and even yeah. explaining sometimes, you know, the VAR told me this and that. That could make a huge difference just in the perception. I don't necessarily think it would help eradicate the errors that we saw on the weekend, but at least it would give them some sort of accountability. If maybe also if the ref knows on the pitch after the game, if I get this wrong, I'm going to have to speak to the media. Maybe that will make him just go, guys, just double check that for me. Because from where I stood, it looked really close. Are we sure? Yeah. That was a really, do you know, like stuff, maybe that's a start. Yeah. What do you think? What, what what can they do to improve this? Yeah, I mean, obviously, most of the time they get it right. So, of course, I mean, they they showed some clips as well from the communication of the VAR with the on-field referee. They showed some clips from the Premier League actually how they communicate, and it seems fine, and they were it worked well, and like that's how it normally goes. But these one, these three four mistakes per weekend are just too much, and it's where you have to point the finger there where it hurts in a way. So, I mean, of course, the Premier League is not going to put out the communication of the weekend from the Liverpool game. That would just be suicide. Yes. But it would actually be pretty interesting to hear, you know, what went wrong. And for sure, they will investigate that. But, yeah, I mean, all I can say is investigate it and fix it. And I get why referees don't want to go on interviews after the game. And they need to be protected as well. But at some stage... I think it's a difference wow. between protecting them. If you have journalists out for a headline, if you have the journalists, you know, kind of asking leading questions. Going yeah, like, that's mean. Yeah, yeah You know, going in mean. like yeah, with yeah. the attitude of, hey, uh, that clear and obvious penalty that you missed, I bet <laughs> you regret that now, A. And going like, hey, that situation, 56 minute, you didn't give a penalty. What was your thought process? What did you see? You know, that's a, that's a huge difference. And if you have the journalists playing along there, which I don't trust English journalists, from what I know, English media, you know, they are going to be ruthless. But if you have a trusted source or even, I don't know, someone from the PGMOL interviewing the refs, yeah, that's good you idea. know, just kind of giving them a microphone, just giving them a chance if yeah. they want in Germany, they do it as well. Yeah, exactly. In Germany, yeah. it works. It's been working for years now where the ref can just come out and be like, hey, guys, this is what I saw. That's the decision I made. 
looking back now, I wish I had another go. I wish I saw that. And whatever it is, you know, or even yeah, then it's, to... for me, then it's already fine for me. You Completely. Know? And yeah. I, again, this is really important. It doesn't make a bad decision better, but it soothes a lot of the frustration and pain at seeing that idiot on the pitch with his whistle being, no, oh, this is how it is. No, it just kind of, okay, he's human. He saw it that way. That's what went wrong. I understand. And you know what pisses me off as well? They're like in some room far, far away. Like they're not in the stadium. They're not They're not feeling the, the atmosphere or like feeling how the game is going, how the flow is going. They, they can just hide in their room. And if they make a mistake, they just can go home. And it, 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 I mean, they're humans as well. Like, don't, don't get me wrong, but it, it just, it doesn't sit right with me in a way. Yeah, just imagine. Because to be honest, to be honest, the referee is not at fault. It's, it's the VAR. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100% yeah. with you on that. And and yeah, I mean, I think I find that quite a funny thing. They're kind of faceless people. Yeah. Where, and even with know... the with the red card, like you see how the referee is going to the screen and the first image he sees is the the, the studs on the ankle. That's like, so ex- exactly on. the that point. That is already putting a picture yeah. in his mind. Show him not in slow motion. Show him in real time. The contact, bam. You know? So. I, I, yes, and also a very interesting point, the red card debate. I don't think that's the wrong decision. I think he got it right. I don't think that should be a red card. Yeah. I don't think it should be. But by the letter of the law, the current way football is going, it's a clear stonewall, non-negotiable red. In fact, both of them are. It's so stupid. I mean, the first one by Yota is really unlucky because he just brushes him. There's no tackle made. There's nothing. It's, but it is a tactical foul. If he brings him yeah. down, there is contact. It's a yellow. The second one is stupid. That's a red. Mm-hmm. Curtis Jones, super unlucky because he kind of slips over the ball. And everyone yeah. who's ever played football knows that that just happens. Sometimes you just kind of go over the ball and you you can't, like, there's no other way his studs can be as pointing that way. The problem is it can really hurt your opposition. He could have easily broken Bisuma's leg. We saw a very similar thing, in fact, at the North London derby where Eddie Nketiah, I think, went in with more force. And in my eyes, if one had, if one is a red card, the other one is as well. Yeah. However, as you said there, the VAR already is putting an image in his mind. It's not it's not unbiased. It's a biased view to be like, oh, look at how high his studs are. You know, it, it's yeah. not the right way of getting to that decision. Another issue there. And then when you have the camera looking at the screen and we see what they see, it's like, well, obviously it's going to be a red because it's already it's already making him, you know, it's like, if, I don't know, putting cake in front of a kid. Of course it's going to fucking eat it. Like, <laughs> Of course it's going to eat it. And all of those things, all of those matters, and and bear in mind, there could be a VAR on tube next to you. You don't know what they look like. You don't know who they are. <laughs> They're among us, you know. Scary <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Okay. In all seriousness, it needs to change, and we can only hope that it 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 gets better. And and I, for one, I think one of the key steps would be to professionalize refs. And I don't for a second buy that the FA don't have enough money to professionalize the refereeing system. There is no, no way. way. Even if no it means way. getting 20K in per team per year, I don't, whatever it do, whatever no. you need to do. I mean, they can basically, it's their league. I mean, they can basically uh, get the revenues. So many clubs. sponsors, so many. So and many I think that, and I think the Premier League clubs would be willing to pay for good refereeing, for more education, for clearer, even like technology to, to update that. I think every club in the Premier League would probably, I'm 100% apart maybe from from the Glazers, they probably wouldn't, wouldn't give the money. 
the glazers don't even know what var is don't even yeah know probably <laughs> yeah okay lots of this is a nice of... uh, slide to man united I, I don't want to go there today it's just going to make me sad i'm scared <laughs> no, but that I will... <laughs> come on i was looking forward all day to see you <laughs> in pain okay i mean we um, why not um, actually, no, no, no. I let, we to need to, we, I need to, we need to quickly give a shout out to Spurs. They march on. Yes, they got super lucky again. I know you don't like to hear it, but they are cooking. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the bubble will burst. Don't worry, Spurs fans. It will burst quicker than you know. <laughs> What's the next game? Looting away. Yeah. This could be a perfect game to... To bubble the burst, to burst the bubble. Sorry, because Luton got their first win against Everton, yeah, which, was, and, which was unexpectedly good. And it's like near to the pitch, it will be a lot of insults, <laughs> and it will be like a proper FA Cup match. Like Roy Keane said, it might be the first game where the gloves come out, <laughs> and then we'll see how they do. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh my god, I love I love Roy Keane. Roy Keane I should really, I really should say that, but no, Roy Keane is great. He's box office. Cannot. He's so good. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. That was a lot. Do we have anything? Do you actually want to talk about Man United? It's going to make me different. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I have time. <sighs> okay. Two minutes. Uh, They lose again. They won against Burnley last week and actually managed to, to beat Crystal Palace quite convincingly 3-0 in the League Cup. I'm most worried right now about Marcus Rashford. He looks off it. He has looked bad for pretty much all season. A bit like Ollie Watkins, I feel like he's a bit of a streaky player. And I was thinking this the other day. I, I love Marcus Rashford. Any United fan would love Marcus Rashford. But I've seen him develop from this up-and-coming talent who I remember him chasing down goalkeepers, lost causes, getting the crowd on their feet to kind of develop into almost a bit of a problem. I've said this before, no other guaranteed star of a team gets rotated from position to position as much as he does. No other huge star of any team gets away with how little work and tracking back he does. Anthony works harder than him. The one I always like to compare him to because they've been in the league for kind of a similar amount of time is is Salah. Salah works his fucking socks off every game, every single game. Marcus Rashford used to do that when he was bursting onto the scene, 18, 19, whatever he, or however old he was. He used to be like that. He's become a bit too big now. If I watch him playing next to a Hannibal who's coming through, next to even a Garnacho, Anthony I've mentioned, Hoyland now going up top pressing people. I'm worried mm. for him. I'm a bit worried. And I know he's got a lot of quality. And I wouldn't be surprised if he came good again and went on another scoring run where he's unplayable at times. But he's really not reached his ceiling. He's turning into a bit of a latter year Wayne Rooney. What are your thoughts on Man United at the moment? Yeah, it's interesting. Very interesting, Marcus Rashford, the topic. I thought this was the season where he, where he like kicked on, you know. Like the first year with ten, like obviously with Oli, things were not going well. And Ronaldo, all these off the field stuff, you could kind of understand. Then he had that amazing season under Ten Hag, especially after the World Cup, yeah. and you thought, like, now is Marcus Rashford time? He has a what? 
like uh, when you see his Instagram account working his socks off in in preseason I thought wow he looks really sharp he looks really fit but yeah then it it doesn't seem to click at the moment and that's why I'm a bit worried for him because the the abilities of this man is is crazy I mean if this guy's on form I saw him live at the Emirates he gave me I mean my legs were shaking when he took when he took on Tommy Asso so it's really in a way I mean I don't feel bad because I'm not really a big supporter of the team but it's like it's such a waste in a way when you see him not performing and 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 I agree with you like he has that bit of he kind of developed that bit of a star persona where he's like a bit jogging on the field not really like the screaming at teammates when they don't give him the proper ball instead of being positive and giving them a clap on the head because they're young as well they're not established players who can who can take it as well as maybe Casemiro so you really want to see the more bit of a he should he should he should be lifting the place not putting it down so yeah that's that's a bit that's a bit sad but other than that yeah United I haven't I didn't watch I only watched uh, on match of the day but it it doesn't seem to be like you're creating this whole lot of chances and it's just a matter of time it seems to be something deep and I think we discussed it a lot of a lot of that also privately it's just the structure of the club the owners at some point Eric Ten Hag is just not enough you know you you need good ownership you need a good sporting director you need the training facility he cannot do everything because I think he's a very good coach so yeah that's my stand and obviously the Anthony situation the Sancho situation is the is Greenwood not... situation as well the Greenwood situation the Harry Maguire situation the Harry Maguire the Johnny Evans oh he played well against Brandon. Johnny Evans no issues but Harry Maguire <laughs> uh, Scotty McTominay even the, the guy who your your shirt is up in the back Fred yeah why did you buy his shirt i liked fred man i i always like a short ball playing midfielder (laughs) you know i've got a tom cleverly shirt i'm not ashamed to admit it yeah but tom cleverly he scored some bangers and he was like a workaholic but when did you buy the fred is this 1920 season Mm -hmm. away shirt i think it's Mourinho's second season yeah so like 1819 yeah something like that why did you buy his shirt i just I had so many. I needed to. I, at some points, like I literally, I I used to buy three a year, and I used to have to like oh, really? come up with new players. I was close to buying a Wan Bizaka shirt once. That's how how many I, I had. I would have rated that more, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, but no, it's really difficult at the moment. Man United. Uh, I don't know because the fixtures are not getting easier. Nope, Galatasaray tomorrow evening. I yeah. sense trouble. But but it's at home at least. It is at home, but I sense trouble still. Anyway, Armin, that's all we have time for. Thank you very much yeah. for hopping on to this with me. I hope we'll be back soon. The three of us, actually. I do miss Toto. Um, it's been good seeing you. It's been good playing FIFA with you as well this week. I'll see you soon to nice. all our listeners. Thank you very much for tuning in. Score prediction, Arsenal Man City. <sighs> 
It depends so much on Champions League, doesn't it? I'm I'm gonna I think you're gonna get a draw. I think it's gonna be like a one one or a two two. What do you mean if we get a draw? Don't don't say it like that. Like say or maybe City get lucky and they get a draw. Uh, no, I, I I try to say it, but I, no, I can't say it like that. Do you think you're going to win? Come on, man. No, I think we're going to lose, probably. <laughs> what a great way to end the show. No. <laughs> I mean, I think the first 10 minutes are going to be so crucial. Yeah, if you can get yeah. an early goal oh my without God, Rodri. The, the place will be... I, I would love to go there. I need to get a ticket. Yeah, man. Our couch is open for you. Well, I'm I'm nervous already. Right, man. This could this could make or break a season if they beat us like three to zero. It's gonna be in our heads all season. I'm gonna I'm talking too much again. We'll leave it there. If Arsenal <laughs> lose three zero, that's the end of the season. Ciao for now. <laughs>